My name's Bonnie. I'm going to be moderating the call. Um, this is a call called Code for the Community, and uh, I'm moderating this for the folks at Community Maps. Um, we are joined today by Alyssa Black, Director of Government Affairs from Code for America, by Nigel Jacob, the co-chair of Boston's Mayor's Office for Urban and Aaron Ogle, who's a Code for America fellow in Philadelphia. Uh, we did a, a blog post around this topic, uh, which you can find on the Community Matters blog post, uh, that had some really great information from Alyssa and from Nigel and uh, talking about the work that they're doing. Um, there's a link to that in the Google Doc, which I would encourage everybody on the call to access. You should have received the link to that, um, and uh, I believe Becca can also provide that if you shoot her an email. Um, we uh, we use that document to take collaborative notes throughout the call. So uh, anything anyone says that you think is particularly interesting, by all means, throw it into that document. Um, and uh, we're also using it to collect really interesting resources and links to case studies of projects that you're doing in your own communities or that you think are really great and that people should know about. Um, and then we also use this document to collect questions and conversations. So if you have a burning question you'd like to ask these guys or something you'd really like to share with the group, please type it in and include your name at the end and I'll be able to look at that and throw it out and uh, ask you to, to speak up. In the meantime, I'd ask everyone to uh, hang out on mute for a little while and, um, and, uh, and we'll introduce our speakers for today. We have Alyssa from Code for America, we have Ni Nigel from uh, Boston Mayor's Office of New Urban Mechanics, and we have Aaron, the Code for America Fellow in Philly. So I'm going to hand over now to Alyssa to introduce herself and the work that they're doing at Code for America. So Alyssa, take it away. Okay, thank you, Bonnie, and, and I just want to start by saying thank you for asking us to participate today. This is um, really an honor for us. Um, as for everybody on the call, as Bonnie mentioned, I'm the Government Relations Director at Code for America, and I thought I would start by just telling you how I came to Code for America, which will kind of explore my background. Um, I was working for the City of San Francisco's IT department when I met Jen Palka, our Executive Director um, at Code for America, and she described to me um, this new organization that she was planning, and it seemed like this really cool idea. She um, wanted to take passionate technologists that were working in the industry, and she felt like there was this group of um, people who wanted to give back and who would want to give back and go to public service. And so she wanted to form little teams of fellows and place them in cities to make a change and to really improve the way that government works. And for me, that resonated because while I was working in San Francisco's IT department, I was on a team that pretty much was doing exactly that. We decided that we would go rogue. And we were the small team of four, and we created um, an innovation and emerging technology group within the IT department. And so we were very successful. We were a small team. We um, allowed ourselves to, or we created kind of a little, we carved out space for ourselves to, to experiment and to try to push innovation in the city. And so I thought when Jen was talking about Code for America and her vision for it, it, it seemed really powerful because I was seeing it happen in my own department as a city employee. So I volunteered um, originally, and I was working with the first round of applicants that came in for a 2011 program. And then about five months later, I decided to join Code for America full-time. So um, I've been working with the group for about a year, um, and we are a nonprofit um, fellowship program. Like I mentioned, we recruit passionate technologists into public service. We have cities that apply to our program. The cities um, apply stating problem areas that they want us to work with them on solving. And so we partner our fellows who um, participate in the program for 11 months, and Aaron Ogle is on the call today. He'll introduce himself. He's one of our fellows in Philadelphia this year. Um, we partner the fellows for 11 months with those cities to create lightweight te um, creative technology that can help solve some of the core problems. So our goal is to um, really get government to approach um, problems differently and to think about new kinds of solutions. So that's me. Welcome. Amazing. Uh, really, really great introduction. Thanks, Alyssa. Um, 
I think uh, I think everyone on the call is super interested to hear how you're kind of making that model work and ways that they can learn from it or get engaged with it. So I'm I'm sure there'll be lots of really great questions coming in. Uh, Nigel, do you want to introduce yourself and the spectacular work you're doing in Boston? Uh, thanks very much. My name is uh, Nigel Jacob, as, as Bonnie mentioned there. I head a group. I co-direct co a group in uh, Boston Mayor's office called uh, the Office of New Urban Mechanics. Um, our charge basically is to innovate around delivering services to uh, Boston's residents, to, the, to our constituencies. And we do that from a pretty broad platform. So we are, strictly speaking, uh, a technology organization. So we really are kind of a hybrid group within uh, Boston City Hall. So I originally, a couple of years ago, I came out of the uh, the, um, uh, the Department of Innovation and Technology, um, and we uh, essentially created this group, which is a hybrid between Do It. Department of Innovation and Technology, and the Mayor's Office, which is where my co-director comes out of, uh, Chris Osgood. And we take, a, again, sort of a very broad view when we think about innovation. So we do projects from um, the sort of the spectrum of opportunities in terms of, of the community. So we do design projects in terms of, you know, with doing partnerships with local design firms like IDEO, Continuum. We do more conventional policy projects with Local area researchers and nonprofits. So we do, we're doing a bunch of stuff around education and out-of-school time um, policy development, and we also do uh, a lot of technology projects. The technology projects, just because uh, technology is where it is now, it's they're very easy to do. So a couple of years ago, we we launched a mobile phone app called Citizens Connect, which allows people to um, partner with the city in addressing sort of built environment issues. So it allows people to um, grab information about the local environment and send that into the to the work crews that are actually going to be in a position to fix it. So um, uh, we uh, it can be a pretty um, challenging environment to work in, obviously. Um, but we do, you know, given the kind of current fiscal um, constraints that our city and a lot of other cities face, the challenge for us going into it was, um, you know, we don't have a huge budget to do a lot of these innovation set, uh, projects. So we took the perspective of um, rather than trying to do anything in-house, which, you know, we just didn't have the capacity to do, um, we do everything via partnerships. So we will, you know, search out and find, and we're also approached by a lot of local area um, civic entrepreneurs of various flavors. So we do projects with local area universities, so the MITs, the Harvards, the Boston Universities of the World, and and a million others. We do a lot of work with local area nonprofits, sort of, you know, United Way, um, and, and a bunch of sort of local area foundations, Boston Foundation, and so on, as well as a lot of local area startups. Um, so there's, there's sort of numerous, numerous startups that we do a lot of work with. And uh, so we take a, um, an approach that is kind of based around connecting the dots across the, the, the innovation ecosystem, as, as we have been framing it. Um, so we will often work with a researcher, say, at uh, Northeastern University, which is a local area um, uh, private school here. And, you know, someone that's doing a, an interesting piece of research at the community level, and we will use that to frame uh, um, a need around a particular community issue, which we will then approach a software developer, um, a hacker, or an entrepreneur, to actually help us to figure out how to solve. So we take this this composite model of um, developing projects and rolling them out. Um, we we operate um, uh, essentially as a public sector venture fund. So we do very small cash infusions to to these civic entrepreneurial um, projects. We operate not not unlike. I mean, we're inspired by essentially, um, you know, groups like Y Combinator, which take a lightweight model of investment in um, in startups and people doing innovative things. Um, our spin on that, obviously, are companies and projects that are doing uh, projects that are generally in the public good in one way or the other. And uh, so, uh, so for example, um, you know, if you've got you've got some some great project that you think will help address. Um, say homelessness in, in your community, um, you can come and find us and pitch your idea to us. And if it if if it 
makes sense to us, and we think that we can add something to it. And if it is generally in uh, in alignment with the mayor's uh, vision for a lot of the stuff, we can invest in the project ourselves at very small dollars, you know, sort of in, this, in the less than ten thousand dollar range. And we'll work together collaboratively to actually deliver on the project. Um, so essentially, these are projects. The projects that come to us are those that, in one way or another, need the support of local government. So it could be people that need to use um, uh, municipal facilities, or it could be people that need the mayor's buy-in for one reason or another, or maybe people that need access to um, somebody in you know in one of the operating departments. So so there's a wide variety of uh, of um, sort of models there. Um, we have three general buckets of things that we pursue. We are we do a lot of work in what we're referring to as infrastructure 2.0, or thinking about ways in which the built environment of the city can be seen as a platform for innovation. So we do a lot of, which is where we're doing a lot of our design work. Um, we're doing a couple of projects, as I mentioned before, one with IDEO, one with uh, uh, another sort of big firm called Continuum, and uh, the, the IDEO project is all about. Um, Rethinking trash in an urban environment. Um, the the second big area that we um, uh, work in is uh, sort of taking a, a look, a deep look at uh, education from the perspective of new tools, social media, and uh, really trying to address some of the core challenges that our city faces in terms of making sure that every Boston area school kid that goes into that enters the system is is reaching their potential and and getting into college. So we're doing some interesting work there, um, especially for kids that are at risk or that in one way or another are um, that have challenges in their education system, so in their personal education. So it could be autism or, or ADHD, whatever it is. Um, and the last area that we focus on is uh, what we call participatory urbanism, which is our brand of... Uh, um, Sort of the the practice of community democracy um, in uh, an urban environment. So that could be um, working with uh, local area uh, civic innovators to do projects that enable the community to take part in the development process or to express themselves on some particular issue, but really to connect um, action to to words and ideas in the community process. So that's uh, sort of the, the high-level view of the of the work that we do in new urban mechanics. That's Nigel. That's amazing and uh, incredibly comprehensive overview of of the work you're doing. Uh, hugely inspirational, certainly to me, um, and drawing on so many amazing partnerships and different types of inspiration. It's fantastic. Uh, and I know you guys are partnering with Code for America. Um, and have had a bunch of fellows working with you on some projects. Yep, uh, And so, uh, and it would be great to hear, Aaron, I know you haven't been working in Boston, but it would be really great to hear your perspective of what it's like to partner with people like Nigel um, on on these Code for America type projects. Sure, sure. Um, let, I guess let me start by uh, kind of following Alyssa's lead, kind of tell you how I got to Code for America and you know, why I'm here and why I love what I'm doing. So I was working, uh, I, I guess I've been soft, developing software professionally for nine or nine, nine or ten years now. And I have uh, was most recently working in Philadelphia, uh, about three and a half years with, with a really amazing firm called Azavia. And uh, before that, I was basically just doing software development. I was you know, I was either working on uh, claims processing for insurance, I was doing healthcare, I was doing uh, communications, and, you know, those were, you know, basically paying the bills, but I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was really doing anything really good with my work. So, um, one thing that was really great about going to Philadelphia was uh, with Azavia, I I started working on a firm that um, kind of had more of a triple bottom line. They were for profit, but they also cared about um, environmental sustainability and uh, and the strength of their community. So they basically signed up as a B corporation, which uh, is a way of saying yes, we care about this triple bottom line. And so there, I got to work on a lot of really interesting projects that helped make the city better. Um, I worked on a, a parcel mapping application so that people could, you know, see where the different land parcels were, get details about them easily without having to go and stand along lines uh, down at a government office. You could just sign up online, you could take a look, and 
figure out everything you needed to know about this parcel. Or I worked on a project with the Philadelphia Water Department um, where they were basically working on a more equitable way of uh, managing, billing for and managing their stormwater responsibilities. So instead of uh, charging people by the size of their, their water meter, you were actually looking at the amount of impervious surface on their parcels. So you could say, well, you know, you have a giant parking lot and you're contributing to the stormwater problem, but you're not paying anything because you don't have a water hookup. You know, we let's let's adjust our billing t to actually make that fair. And you know, I also got to work on this really interesting project called uh, Walkshed, which was about um, measuring the walkability of a city and using that as a way to uh, encourage people to get out of their cars and um, and and you know, be healthier, have more social interaction, things like that. So I, I just really got hooked on this idea of being able to really do good with my work. Um, I, I, have, I have a wife, I have two kids, and um, so that doesn't leave a lot of extra time in my day to, you know, for volunteering after hours and things like that. So the ability to do good with my 9 to 5 um, was 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 amazing. And so when I found out about Code for America, that Philadelphia was going to be one of the cities, um, this is something I decided I really wanted to do. And uh, I felt like it was a good way of really taking this notion of of, of doing good with your with your um, with your work and kind of taking it to the next level, being able to um, really do something uh, amazing for a city explicitly, being able to work with uh, amazing fellows, like all of uh, the 19 other fellows here are incredibly smart and talented, and uh, being able to work with great resources like, like Alyssa and Jen, and being able to do the things that, that they are envisioning. You know, we are, we are the, their practitioners. Um, you know, they've got these great ideas, and we get to implement a lot of these ideas and uh, kind of bring it into reality. So, um, uh, yeah, like Code for America is just um, a really amazing program, and I'm, I'm constantly honored and, and humbled to be a part of it. Um, and, you know, just being able to work with, with folks like, like Nigel and, um, and his uh, counterparts within the city of Philadelphia uh, is, just, is just really amazing. It's great to see people in government that... Um, totally break every single stereotype that you can think of um, that are working really hard to make their cities amazing and uh, and better. Thanks, Aaron. That's awesome. It's a, actually a really inspiring story that you tell. Uh, and I, I'm going to pick up on, on your last comment there about kind of finding these inspirational leaders really look to break stereotypes um, and pull out a couple of the questions that are coming in on the Google Doc, uh, which is about kind of looking at how we can encourage our leaders to embrace partnerships and collaborations. Um, it's something that uh, a lot of people, I think, when they think of government, they don't think of it uh, as being uh, an able risk taker. Uh, and so I think something that people on this call would really like to know is around how we can get government to, to see things differently, to start embracing the idea of partnerships and collaborations, to be a little more nimble and flexible. Um, Nigel, do you want to do you want to tackle that question first, since you're sure. our representative government? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so, in a city like Boston, um, Boston is like the biggest uh, city in New England, about six hundred thousand people, just more than that. Um, but we're still very much a small city when you compare us to to like New York or to or to Philly or to Houston or Chicago. So, when we think of trying to do new and innovative things. We do that very much so from a, a place of, uh, you know, I, again, sort of not a lot of financial resources to a lot of, to do a lot of this stuff. And, I mean, which is kind of further, um, uh, kind of complicated by the fact that when you look at the area of effect that Boston has to provide service to, it's, it's a great deal bigger than you know, our actual city limits. So, for example, during the, the day, Boston's population swells up like to 2 million people. Um, but most of those people, again, sort of, you know, go back out to, to, um, sort of sleeper communities. And, and these towns, I mean, these are really towns. These, these aren't the suburbs. You know, these aren't, um, uh, neighborhoods within Boston. These are places like Cambridge and, and Newton and Brookline. So, you know, 
in the simplest sense, I mean, the uh, um, tax dollars that we would use to sort of provide service to those people just don't exist. So we're we're very much in a in a in a um, com- complex environment where we have to figure out how do you you add value to all not just the residents of Boston but all of these people that are coming in during the day. So when we think of how to do that. We, we think entirely from the perspective of, of partnership. So in our case, we might be um, uh, in a slightly different position maybe than some other cities, but we, we have to do everything by partnership um, because we just don't have the resources to go it alone. So when we look at um, you know, developing services, we have to find um, people on the outside that can help us deliver them because we just don't have the, you know, the, the people power on the inside of city government to, to deliver on those things. So our challenge is really one of, rather than um, uh, trying to encourage participation or, or sorry, um, partnership and collaboration, but rather how do you align the people that actually want to work together? Because when we look at all the, the different resources that are out there, again, universities, for-profits, non-profits, and so on, they all have something to, to add to the mix, and they're all very interested in one way or another to, to encouraging civic innovation and engagement and the uplift of the, of the city's challenged, uh, the challenged sections of the city's neighborhoods, um, and so on. So, um, everybody wants to do that, but, you know, how do you do that? You know, where are the actual opportunities? That's a huge challenge to, to try to, to work together to address those issues. So a lot of what we do in Boston is to help to try to communicate those things and to frame the issues so that there's a, it's easier for the nonprofits, universities to actually hook in and to to all be operating in the in the same way, or at least going marching in the same direction. And we do that by trying to come up with. I mean, we do this in a number of different ways. One of the ways that we do this is by doing direct outreach. So our mayor um, uh, famously is is really never in city hall. He's always. Um, out uh, meeting people, talking to people, learning from people, understanding what the real issues are. And we translate a lot of his learning into um, uh, programs and initiatives that make it easy for these different um, uh, different entities to play in the space so that they can offer what makes the most sense to them. So we try to, for every program that we try to roll out, we try to make it um, to create um, immediate opportunities for assessment for the research community to be able to to engage in. You know, we obviously we, we talk to a lot of our local foundations to help us with the funding of a lot of these programs because you know our city coffers just don't have the the size to afford a lot of these things. So we, we depend a great deal on both local and to a lesser degree um, national foundations. And the nonprofit organizations are are in many ways on the front lines um, right along with us in delivering service to uh, the residents and the visitors of Boston. So we do everything by uh, by partnership. Um, I would say that we've had to do we've had to cultivate relationships, and I think that's one of the things that we found as being a key best practice for us. Um, really, you know, in, in a place like Boston, because we, we are so physically close to a lot of these other communities, that it's incredibly useful for us to to reach out and to form real relationships with folks um, in, in the organization at different places. And, um, and and it kind of goes without saying that it's not always the, the person at the top, at the apex of the organization that you need to form a relationship with. Uh, they may not be the one that actually is the most impactful. You have to really find the, the doers and and the and the, the executors in the various organizations, um, both across government and all these different different uh, sectors of the of the market. Um, so that that's essentially how I would start with uh, answering the issue if, uh, of uh, partnerships and collaborations. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. And Alyssa, I think um, I, I think it'd be really great to hear from you in terms of how you guys actually. Uh, at Code for America, you reach out and find people like Nigel, who are so willing to to find collaborations and partnerships that work. Yeah, um, most of it, I, I think um, Nigel's right. It's about cultivating relationships. A lot of it is, um, from my past experience working in government and trying to collaborate, I think after um, like attending some conferences, uh, those are and, and events are really important because you meet peers that might not be necessarily at the top level, but they're the actual doers and they're interested in a certain area, whether it be open government or education or environmental sustainability. Um, if you're at a conference together or at an event together, um, 
you can connect that way and build a real relationship. I think now that, you know, cities and government are facing major financial crisis, travel is often not available. Um, and so going to online forums where there are doers, so for example, um, eDemocracy Forum is a great place where people can get involved in um, a lot of different discussions. Um, City Camp is another way where they hold um, organizers within a community can set up their own city camp. Um, there's an outline and um, kind of this manual of how to get a city camp going in your local area. That's also a great way. Like, if that's a great way for me to connect with people because I really I then know that okay, there's these government people um, that are attending events and they're showing interest, and they're active participants. And for me, that's a person that, like, I want to talk to because I know that they're interested in making their city better and kind of expanding the boundaries of um, their reach. So, you know, looking for collaborative opportunities and looking for partnerships. I wanted to add to what Nigel was saying. I think one of the values and one of the ways to talk um, to governments about partnerships and collaborations is also to think about the sustainability of a lot of projects. Um, and Nigel, I guess you, I'm sure, have experienced this, that like a lot of what um, government is able to do just because of the financial barriers um, and, you know, lack of budget or changing um, priorities that having outside organizations and the public-private partnerships are a great way to, to make programs um, sustainable in the long term. So I think that's a benefit that, you know, the people on the call, if you're thinking about encouraging your government to reach out and look for partnerships, that's some of what you can talk about is that it builds in, it's like this kind of a sustainability model that's built into that partnership. Absolutely. I would agree with that. I mean, when you think of, especially um, higher ed, so uh, in Boston, given all the universities and colleges um, that we have, it's been, again, sort of another best practice for us is, is specifically outreach to, to higher ed because um, universities have a very different way of thinking about time, you know, relative to the city. Um, it actually, it can sometimes be a challenge. Um, you know, when you think of you know, the academic year, right, so the engagement that we're able to have from professors and students is often sort of class-based or sort of research project-based so that you'll see rises and falls in the level of, of interactivity from, from the researchers. But um, if you can give them a meaty problem that requires a little bit more digging in than, than what certainly the way that uh, we think about um, um, analyzing a, a particular problem. You can actually get a very different, a different um, uh, a richness in the level of research that you get from people. So that's, that's a huge issue for us. And further, if you can, you know, if you do that based on relationships, so you've got a long-term relationship with a particular professor or with a department, then you can get a, a pipeline of grad students and undergrad students that are doing work clustered around a particular area that is of interest to to them and the research group and the professor that you're working with, as well as to the city, um, to the city and the city department and whoever is sort of on the, the government side of that relationship. And to kind of add on to what uh, Alyssa was saying about sustainability, one thing that I found is that if you are talking to somebody within the government, you know, come armed with really good and really compelling metrics about why your idea is actually going to work. Because uh, I don't know how many times, you know, I've heard government people say over and over again, you know, like, we've heard this story before. Somebody comes in, you know, they, they put on their, their their song and dance, and they're like, they promise us the world, and then nothing nothing ever, you know, nothing ever comes true. So, like, what is the evidence that you have that, you know, this sort of collaboration is actually going to be worth my time? And so it's, it's really great to see... I, like groups like Code for America and City Camp that are like going out and just doing it, that are setting examples, that are measuring things, um, and use those as as examples of ways that we can be successful. Um, in addition to like the metrics that uh, as to why something will work. Yeah, that's a great comment. Do you, uh, do you what kind of measurements are you guys using right now in terms of measuring your kind of su success and sustainability on? some of these bigger partnership projects. Is that a Code for America question? Yeah. Um, right now we're in month three, so we're just now um, kind of figuring out what our 
product will be with the city. Um, we have worked closely with the, our government partners on what our eventual metrics would look like, um, and it's, it continues to vary based on uh, what we think of the product being at the end. It, um, for Boston, and Nigel, correct me if I'm wrong, I think for Boston it's a, it's a high metric of making education smarter, um, which isn't very granular. Um, I think, are we still... Do you have any metrics off the top of your head, Nigel, that word? Uh, yeah, no, the, the metrics for us are pretty straightforward. They are um, kids that are, um, you know, you know, this is going to take a while to sort of be able to measure, but certainly right. kids that are matriculating, you know, college matriculation, College matriculation mm-hmm. rates, um, people that kids that are um, that are staying in school longer, so you know impact and dropout rates, kids that are using um, city um, uh, sort of nonprofit not, uh, sort of out of school time programs um, in greater numbers. So in one way or another, it, they are sort of engagement measures that that we think as sort of being central to to the issues when we look at um, sort of outside of this particular project. Um, you know, we, as every other city, are, are very keen on addressing the, um, the the challenges that our education system faces. So we use those those key metrics. We we use them directly from um, our superintendent's um, policy on education uplift. So you know that sort of pe- kids in class, kids that are spending the uh, um, you know the number of hours. Um, in in the classroom, um, you know, kids that are graduating on time, um, kids that are getting into college and staying in college beyond sort of just the you know the first year and so on. So we have a lot of metrics within that. Mm-hmm. And for Philly um, and Seattle, their project is around um, civic leader engagement and communication. And so a lot of what they'll look at is working with the community leaders to um, find. Uh, indications that there are um, there's more activity in their community groups, whether that be face-to-face interaction or attendance at events. It could um, be a higher level of kind of touch or interactions with governments, and that's, and that's a piece of the communication uh, problem that they hope to address um, in their project is the communication between civic leaders and government and then civic leader to civic leader. So those sort of interactions will be one of the metrics of the success, hoping to improve on those. That's uh, that's a really great point, uh, Alyssa, and, and kind of links into one of the questions that I'm seeing in the document here, um, which is around how we can work to engage the community in efforts um, of, in- mm-hmm. of great new ways of working with government. And I also I want to pick up on another question that I'm seeing from someone around um, can this work, can this kind of work be initiated by someone outside of government? So we have a lot of people on this call from smaller towns and smaller communities, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just wondering if we can maybe move into some uh, some thoughts around how some of these towns that maybe don't have the budget or potentially don't have the political leadership um, to really kind of embrace this sort of change yet, how they can start to move towards it. So... I think that, uh, yeah, I think um, this work can absolutely be done outside of government. In fact, in a lot of ways, it is best done out of government, um, depending what it is that you're trying to do. Um, the advantage of having an external innovator that is trying to do this stuff if you, is that you've got somebody probably with with um, a singular focus on some issue that they're trying to tackle. The challenge for, for working in government is you have to deal with every single issue that comes up so that there's always this... Um, uh, a lack of focus that you can give to any particular issue, which is always a challenge. So I think external partners um, are can absolutely do a lot of this work. Um, one of the, the, the way that we've seen this work the best is that um, if the external partner um, uh, needs some engagement with the government on a particular issue, so if it's something related to schools or something, that it always works best when you can uh, you can come to the table with with something for the government institution, whether it's uh, um, resources in the way of people, um, or it could be uh, novel sources of data, or you know different modalities of, of working. So if you look at your design group or something, um, but I think it's, it's always useful to come to the table with something and not just asking for something. That's 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 a key distinguisher. We've seen a lot of projects kind of falter because. 
um, somebody will come to the government and they're basically asking for a lot of stuff. And, and there's no doubt often um, what they're asking for is stuff that they should absolutely be able to get. But, you know, again, sort of people working in government are just people, so they, they, they still need to feel engaged in the process. So um, it, if you can sort of come to them with, uh, you know, stuff that you can offer them to help them you know, do a better job or to to connect better with their elected official or with their boss or with their constituency, that always works really well. Yeah, and I think also, Nigel, we had talked about um, in response to the previous question, which is that relationships are really what matter. I think, you know, definitely people outside of government and community leaders or nonprofits can work on building those relationships within government, and I think that that's a great starting point. Like, can be just relationship building and then figuring out how do we come to the table with our resources. Like, what right. does government need? I, I know Boston does a great job of framing what you guys need um, when you go and look for partners and when you talk to partners. I, I've seen a lot of governments that aren't able to do that. Like, just framing the problem is really mm-hmm. challenging. And yeah. that, that creates a barrier for people that have resources, that want to participate or contribute. Like, if if the citizens or the community don't necessarily know what challenges government's facing or areas where they need help, um, right. it's very difficult to offer your services if it's not framed appropriately. And I, Boston is doing a great job. I think, you know, again, this would require a little bit on the government's part, but if, if they could think about framing problems um, in a way that nonprofits could respond to or residents could respond to, um, I think that barrier or that would be reduced. Right, right. But absolutely. it is about relationships. Um, and so community people can definitely get involved. And nonprofits can get involved as well. You know, when I, when I think of uh, where a lot of this kind of energy can happen, I think pretty much in every city uh, in, in the nation, there's there are on any given night or on any given week, um, there's probably at least one community meeting. And if you go to those community meetings, you'll see certainly irate uh, members of the public, um, you know, kind of yelling at, unfortunately often, it's the case, at least here, uh, um, members of the local government. And we've seen... I mean, that's, I think that's a perfect opportunity to, to try to engage, um, those sort of government officials in a different way. So maybe it could be before the meeting or after the meeting. Again, if you can sort of approach them with something constructive and something, uh, doable that you can do, um, to, to help them in whatever their, their issue is. So, you know, in the case of where a, uh, you know, that a, the, the chief of public works you know, might be doing some kind of a, a community meeting. Um, you know, public works is, is challenged everywhere, and they're they're trying to think through new models of, of um, uh, you know, keeping the the potholes filled and the street lights on, and you know, the quality of life you know, around those built environment issues are high. So, if there are specific projects that you, as sort of a civic innovator, have that you can come to such a person with, I think, and make it very concrete. You know, I can. You know, I can do this or I can do that, and I would love to partner with you guys to figure out how to deliver. I think that's always very useful. Um, yeah. One of the big Great. challenges with this, I think, is it's just that what we're basically talking about is a different way of doing government than we have in, in the recent past. Uh, typically, we've thought about the government as our service provider. Um, Tim O'Reilly likes to say that, you know, this is the vending machine model of government where, you know, we put in our, our, our coins, which are our taxes, and then we start um, you know, we push the button to get the service that we want, and if we don't get what we want, or you know, I wanted a Pepsi and I got a Seven Up instead, I'm going to shake the machine, which is basically our election process. Um, and what we're talking about is not a not that the government should be serving me as a citizen, but that I need to be in participation with with this government. That we need to be working together to build the best community, the best city, the best country that we can that we uh, possibly can. So, and that's a challenge because, you know, people have very set ways, very uh, strong opinions and assumptions about the way the government should work, and uh, trying to change that is a huge challenge. I think that, you know, one of the the best things that uh, a community um, innovator in one way or another, um, and again, I I sort of define innovator very broadly, anybody that has the ability to deliver on some kind of interesting approach to fixing something in the, or, you know, uplifting something in the community, um, one of the best things you can do is just to try to find those 
change agents within your local government. If that's if if you need government to get involved in whatever your your project is, um, I have yet to see. I mean, I've interacted with a lot of um, different, especially like municipal government uh, officials, and I have yet to find one government. Um, organization that doesn't have at least one person that is trying to do a good job or trying to do something in a new way and just needs support or you know needs new ideas or new ways of executing on those ideas, what have you. So um, you know, kind of again going back to this whole relationship building notion, you know, trying to create a community of practice for those kind of change, change agents, I think is is critical. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what we found um, in Philadelphia, and, and Aaron, you can add to this, but, but the communication between, um, so like, for example, if I was running a nonprofit or a citizen group and I had a really great connection with somebody in City Hall or in a city department that was my kind of go-to person that I thought was a doer and one of those change agents, I don't necessarily have an ability to share that information with other community groups that um, are either working on the same issue or working um, in my same city. Um, and so bridging that communication between civic le- leaders is important because then the sharing about these change agents um, and these key kind of people in city government that are working to make things happen and, and um, are progressive or, or innovative, those people that you want to talk to, being able to share that information more easily is a challenge, and it's a challenge that we're trying to address in Philadelphia. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, and you're exactly right. I mean, there's just so many groups that are doing so many great things that have been able to traverse the bureaucracy. Um, but so this this one particular group may have figured it out, but there are other groups that that have not, and so they're kind of stymied into from being able to do what they really want to do. Mm-hmm. And so, guys, uh, knowing knowing the kind of community focus that we have here, which the, the much smaller town. Do you have some suggestions around uh, how people can start to overcome some of those barriers um, where they might feel alone or uh, might feel like they don't have anyone that they can reach out to partner with in the sh- in the immediate term? So I think that uh, certainly finding each other makes a lot of sense. Uh, when you when you think of people in smaller communities, um, I, I I find it hard to believe that any one person at the community level, you know, is is actually alone. I think uh, one of the best things that you can do is to try to create an opportunity to meet each other. It could be meetups. It could be sort of you know. You know, think of all the different ways that people are able to meet each other online. But if you can find like-minded people in your in your community, um, with a wide um, from wide range spectrum in terms of of interests and, and abilities and skills and, and whatnot, but I think that you can that you can get together and, and start t- talking about these issues and figuring out how do you actually make real progress on some of these things and you know what kind of concrete intersections can you have you know with the government if you need the government to do whatever it is that that it is that you uh, want to affect. Um, so I think absolutely kind of, cla- I mean, this isn't a great answer, but I mean, classic grassroots community building, I think, is is the order of the day, and I think in a lot of cases, um, forging relationships across groups that, especially um, that are that are somewhat dissimilar, I think that there are, every, every city is a fabulous organization of, like, silos, of people not talking to each other. So if you you might have um, a local re- uh, university, um, nonprofits, you know, I'll think of all the different organizations that are out there. Um, there are absolutely people across all those different silos that are all interested in one way of, in making their communities better, and trying to find ways to meet and to cross those barriers, I think, is, is critical. So that could be, um, you know, just community meetings, you know, with, I think, so it's not just enough to get together, obviously. You also need to connect um, thought and language and, and discussion to action. So, you know, when you're together, you're actually focused on a specific issue and trying to figure out how do we address this and, and, and uh, what kind of engagement do we need from, um, you know, the local local government or whoever it is that you need to sort of get help from to, to actually deal with the issue. But think, I think it is very important to have a very heterogeneous, um, as much as possible, uh, a wide group of people in the mix so you're not thinking about the problem from one particular perspective. I, I totally agree, Nigel. I think also, just to add to that, it's, um, 
the power of online communities, I think, right. is is great. There's while somebody might not be in your town working on that same issue, it's quite possible that they know somebody that's working on a similar issue in a town that's near yours or in the same region as you. And so, online communities are a great place to talk about issues. I mentioned eDemocracy Forum and City Camp. Those are some of those, the ones that I'm most active on. Uh, if you're a government employee and you don't know how to translate your interest into actual work that you're doing in government, GovLoop is another place to connect with other people that are trying to think innovatively about government. That's more at the federal level and less at the local level. I, I do totally acknowledge that there is a gap in a lot of um, local municipal um, focus at least for city employees. But there are online communities that I think are great to tap. Um, and then, Nigel, you had mentioned universities and um, kind of like anchor institutions in, in towns. Um, that's a great place to also uh, work with just because if you are able to connect with one of those people, they might have additional connections. It is about grassroots and um, taking action. Yep. So. Great stuff. And Aaron, how about from your perspective actually being placed inside uh, some of these departments? Uh, probably, um, I, I would definitely agree with, with what's been said so far. Um, uh, a lot of the ways that I learn about how things are going is is honestly like through Twitter. Um, just these short little things about what people are working on, what people are interested in, lets me kind of go through and, and see what all of, you know, finding people that, that care about the same things that I care about, you know, people that care about sustainability, people that care about, you know, better cities and stronger cities. Um, just going through and, you know, uh, checking out different hashtags and stuff like that so you can really get an idea of, of what's going on in a city um, or, or even a town, if, you know, depending on the town, I guess. All right, well, we are, we're getting the end of the call now. I was wondering if you guys um, could have a think and, and maybe come up with some ideas or some case studies of um, if, if the people on the call here started to apply some of the principles and some of these great ideas that you've been talking about, what kind of impacts do you think they would start to see in their town? What kind of great changes do you think that people could do? And, and what have you seen in the past in terms of some of the really great success stories that have happened with these kind of partnerships and this kind of work? Well, I think that with this kind of work, you can definitely get um, a broader range of people engaged in, in the life of the city. So certainly, kind of again, using the, the community meeting model, um, there's almost always in the classic um, uh, examples of that, uh, there are always entrenched Positions even within the community, you know, there are those those people that go to every single community meeting. You know, maybe it's a retiree or whoever, but someone with an axe to grind, and uh, they they can often end up dominating the discussion. I think that once you have embarked on a, a well-run kind of model of innovation, of community-centric innovation, that you can begin to see different groups of people that are able to find a place at the table so that you've got, you know, maybe um, kids or you've got um, older people or or younger people, like sort of um, like people in their 20s and so on, sort of non-classic um, engagement in, in uh, what's going on from a different, very different perspective. So if you can give those kinds of people new tools, um, new channels into into the process, um, that could be you know um, smarter, more clever uses of um, of social media and various online forums to do a lot of that stuff. You'll you'll if, you know in terms of like what we've seen here in Boston, you can definitely see um, it, it creates. Um, a new sense or a new, a, a new way of creating, um, you know, civic engagement at the community level. Um, I think there's, it's, it, I mean, this is, this can be a challenge, but thinking beyond the obvious uses of technology, so trying to take a, um, uh, an insightful look at how you actually deploy technology can be, often be, be very important. And again, this kind of goes to this, um, this notion of trying to find 
partnerships across a, a wide variety of, um, of people, people that can actually add a, a level of, of sophistication about thinking in terms of, you know, we, it, it's not enough just to put a blog down, but we really have to think about, you know, what role does the blog play in the process that's, that's, that's playing out at the community level or um, whether if you're using, like, um, if you want to use, like, you know, scavenger or whatever sort of um, online tool, trying to be thoughtful about how you can actually insert it into the process, I think, is 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 important. Um, but if you can do those things, I think it, it gives um, a broader range of people hooks into the process. That's uh, yeah, that's some great insight, Nigel. Alyssa, do you uh, do you want to tackle that that challenge? Yeah. Great impacts we can see. I would say. Um, a result of, of a lot of um, collaboration and talking just with each other as community members and residents and nonprofits, I think what you'll find is um, a lot more idea generation. Just the more people you talk about or you talk to, you'll better be able to form ideas around solutions or connections that you need to make. And so for me, that's what I've seen when people start working together and talking about action um, we're talking about problem solving that the next step in is action and so you're better able to to take action and the ideas around um, or the approach to solving that problem is usually a, a better approach because more people have been thinking about how to do it so I guess the idea formation um, and kind of thinking creatively about how to approach problems um, is a huge benefit and something that I, I've seen come out of um, people meeting up and talking more about problem solving. Um, the other thing I think that you'll find, once you have and identify a change agent in government and you start a partnership or you start to see results or even if it's not an actual outcome and it's just dialogue, that is super powerful. Like one of the things that we heard from Jeff Friedman, who's our sponsor, um, in Philadelphia, he was like, and I think this is a quote in your blog, Bonnie, but he basically said, like, what you guys did is you brought these mysterious strangers into um, our city and really they showed us that we had the magic in us all along. And what he was talking about is that the fellows went out and interviewed a lot of different people in the community to get um, just user research information and, and then they connected those people with people in City Hall. And that connection was something that city employees could have done all along, right? Like you have the ability to engage the community. It's just they're not doing it. And so once you build a connection, that's super powerful. And I think um, that has the potential to grow as well, I guess is my point. Because when they start seeing a positive effect um, through engaging community members in problem solving or brainstorming or even taking action, um, and, or using your resources, that that will continue to grow. And so I think when you plant a seed, it will grow. And I think it, even though government can be really difficult and bureaucratic, at times there are people that will help nurture that relationship and make sure that um, that you both are benefiting from this kind of new ongoing dialogue and relationship. I think that's a, a really great point. So showing some kind of early success, really showing tackling a, a, a manageable problem so the size mm -hmm. of the resources and capacity that you have and uh, and doing it really super well so that you can show just how great things can be when you start engaging with this stuff. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah I, I agree, demonstrating success. And and also um, I think what, what we as community members um, can do is also influence um, our kind of experimentation and, and our, you know, as community members and nonprofits, I think we're less risk averse than government. And so I think some of that, the way that we do business can influence the way government does business. Um, and part of that is through a lot of experimentation and um, minimizing risk through failing quickly. And so as much as we can model that through our um, engagements with each other and our projects that we work on, um, if we model that for government, we can hopefully maybe influence that as well. Great stuff. Aaron, do you, uh, do you have any great examples from your experiences working with uh, Code for America and, and the Philly government um, 
of this stuff in practice, of really kind of seeing some great impacts from the work that you've been doing? Um, yeah, I, I think I think one of the one of the biggest things to remember um, is is that we're really when we're talking about open government, we're talking about tools, and it's not it's not the technology, it's not the tools that are going to to change governments, not the those aren't the things that are going to change a community, but it's rather the people within them that are that are going to do that. Um, I've I've seen a lot of this within like the Philly tech community, especially. They're they're very active, they're very engaged in their city, and and they're working really closely with with the city on on a number of different things. Uh, so that's really. Um, I think that's really exciting um, about what they're doing, and but you know it's just we just need to remember that you know it's it's me, it's you getting together, having a drink, talking about the problems that we see, and brainstorming about uh, the different solutions that we can that we can do to make our communities better. It's not you know it's not the the fancy new uh, uh, tech widget that I just made. It's that's just a tool that's going to hopefully help us. Um, do our jobs a little bit easier and, and focus on those things. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to throw it out to the to the people on the call right now. We we've got a few minutes left. Is there anyone that has a specific question they want to they want to pose to these guys and uh, pick their brains while we've got access to such an amazing resource of innovation and awesomeness? Bonnie, as we wait for a question to come in, um, I just wanted to mention another resource that might be helpful um, as people on the call are exploring more about open government or want to learn about, um, I know we have in this document areas for case studies. There's um, a website called civiccommons.com. It's a Code for America project that we're working on, and it, there's a knowledge base there. And if you go to the knowledge base, there's a lot of information about open government and open data, and so um, if you're trying to wrap your head around that um, and you want some case studies on what's successful in, in certain cities, definitely go there as a resource. I think um, it's invaluable. Thanks, Liz. Hi, I have a question. Hi there. What's your name? This is Carolyn. I'm from uh, a rural community in Nevada, and I... Pardon? Take it away. Okay. I've just uh, recently formed a youth advisory board that is part of our town board, and we have about 40,000 uh, citizens in our community. And I wanted a larger uh, voice or a place for a larger voice for the youth in our community to address policy issues that they might want to bring forward. And I was very intrigued about uh, Nigel's work uh, with his school projects and education and I was wondering if uh, there was a particular age range that seemed to work best when bringing something like this up from the um, youth on a grassroots level and taking it into policy setting. And, and also to end the question is, uh, is there a resource such as a fellow that would be willing to come into a rural area and work with this newly formed youth advisory board to help them see the uh, various work that they could do or various issues that they might want to address? Um, so in addressing the, the first part of the question, uh, I think that you can – we've done programs both with middle schoolers and high schoolers, but I have no doubt that – uh, you could push it down pretty fairly young as well. I think that the 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 key to all these kinds of projects that are in terms of getting kids involved and in thinking about policy is really actually how you construct the project itself. So obviously, at different age ranges, you're going to have a different range of abilities in, and uh, different ways of focusing on the on the problem. Um, I think that if you can tap. Um, you know, especially for, for, for kids that skew younger, if you can focus on, um, sort of more game-like dimensions about getting them involved. So, you know, we did a project a couple of years ago, um, that used, uh, the teen version of Second Life to get kids to, to learn about their communities. Um, I think there's, there's a lot you can do there, but it just requires, um, some, uh, um, you know, 
some, again, sort of some insightful look at, at what it is that you're actually trying to get them to do. Uh, if you're looking for best practices on that stuff, I would suggest you look at um, there's a group in Chicago called U Media. They do a lot of great stuff. There's a group in New York called um, I think it was Global Kids, um, and but they've developed some some best practices around thinking about how do you get kids engaged in policy discussion. Great. Is that you, media being Y O U or you? Uh, y O U. Yep. We'll uh, we'll make sure it gets in the the Google Doc, so you've got that reference. Great. Thank you. You bet. Uh, Carolyn, for, for the second part of your question, um, I just wanted to say that the fellows are are currently assigned to cities that they're working on, um, and so we don't have an opportunity right now to you know take a fellow from the work that they're doing and um, put them in you know, in your city to work on that project, but I should say that Code for America is actively looking at ways to get our program in smaller municipalities and rural towns. Um, it's something that if anybody on this call is interested in, in brainstorming with me on and talking more about, unfortunately my contacts aren't with rural towns and um, municipalities, and so I... I don't necessarily understand your needs as much as I know uh, the needs of some of the larger um, cities and middle-sized cities with, that I have contact with. So it would be great to hear from you um, as we at Code for America try to plan how our program can impact and actually begin to partner with rural towns and cities. I would love to hear from you guys. Okay. I'm, in, I'm actually interested in brainstorming on that a little bit as well. Uh, I'm most recently from Philadelphia, but I grew up in a very small town in Ohio, so... Um, big cities and small towns are <laughs> both near and dear to my heart. I, I wanted to ask a question about that also, coming from a smaller city. Um, can you hear me? Yep, sure can. Yes. Um, uh, I, I, I may have missed it, but I don't think I heard much reference to uh, smaller cities or towns. Uh, there's a lot of difference in resources available and uh, just the, the breadth of thinking that's available without mm -hmm. institutions of higher education, uh, you know, right there in the in the community. Um, and I, I wonder if you've got any examples or if we can create some examples. Mm -hmm. I have a few examples, um, and, and I might not get their names right, uh, but... There was a program in Macon, Georgia, and I believe it was called Macon Bucks, and uh, it focused on, um, and they're a very small town, and it focused on um, local spending and getting people um, incentivized to spend locally because most of their revenue in their town, I think I'm getting the right town, but the, most of the money in their town, or most of the revenue from their town was based on uh, local taxes, and so the more that people spent locally, the, the better the city was off the better off the city was. Um, and that project, I'm not sure how that project came about, but there are innovative projects happening in smaller towns. Um, and I could, I'll, I'll um, add some of the case studies that I know about in small rural towns to this document. Um, Great. If you're interested in coming back to this document and looking at it. And then um, my advice is I think most of those smaller projects because of limited resources in the rural towns are usually funded by larger foundations. Um, and so my advice would be let's start thinking about which ones are applicable to your town and who might be involved in bringing that to your to your town. Because if they're successful in one small town, and I think you're right, I mean, I know you're right, rural towns are much different than a Philadelphia. Um, yeah. So we want to look at case studies. Can I, can I sneak in there for a second? Who would mm -hmm. we put... A, a local foundation in touch with? Uh, how would we kind of make that link? I mean, um, yeah, I think... Uh, in, organizations or...? I think um, in, in, your, in your town you would want to find um, an organization like, let's say, that was interested in economic growth um, if it's about bringing, um, raising your local spending. Um, that would be somebody or an organization that's interested in that area, and I would put the foundation in touch with them um, to, to start that going because there's grant writing involved in it, and so that's a time dedication. 
put them in touch with whom? With um, an organization in your community that might be working on economic development, if that's the particular project area that you wanted to focus on, or if it was around sustainability, like environmental sustainability, um, if there was an uh, organization in your town that is working on that, I would try to find that group and then put them in contact with a foundation. Or if it's you, then you well, could be in contact with the foundation. Well, they're in contact all the time. The problem is they don't know what to do. They together don't know what to do. I mean, they need oh. <laughs> some of the, the perspective that you have, that we have, right. from a conversation right. like this. You know, well, maybe uh, one of the things that, that we're certainly looking to do uh, with these calls is find the ways that uh, Community Matters can really support people that are doing great work in, in towns. And so mm-hmm. that could potentially be a, a great topic for another call in the future. Uh, is that something yeah, that I guess that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, those let's groups exist here, and they communicate all the time, and they're kind of in a, a closed box. They, they, they even say they want to innovate, but they don't know about these mm-hmm. kinds of, of, of potentials. Sure. Well, let's let's get that note in the document, and that's follow mm-hmm. up on. Now, I just want to jump in. It's uh, it's five plus five uh, according to Mike Luck, and and we're pretty good at keeping time here. Um, and so, I just I want to check. Um, if uh, if there's an appetite to keep this going for another five or ten minutes, if people have time, otherwise, um, uh, and Nigel, Alyssa, Aaron, I'm going to leave it up to you guys. Do you um, do you have to move on to another commitment, or do you guys have a, a little more time? Uh, Barney, this is Nigel. Yeah, I have to run, unfortunately. Okay. All righty. Um, so I'm I'm going to close things out here. I think uh, this has been a super rich conversation, and I can kind of feel like there are a bunch more questions that people want to ask. I think if you guys can put them down in the Google Docs, then we'll we'll get them addressed and we'll make sure that um, you get some answers and potentially find a way to follow up on this with another call at some point. Um, but right now I want to say a huge thank you to Nigel, to Alyssa, and to Aaron for taking the time to, to talk to us about these really amazing, inspirational things that they're doing uh, and uh, and really hope that everyone on the call can find ways to start engaging with this stuff and uh, yeah just uh, a huge thanks guys this has been a really great call thanks very much thank you Bonnie